0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Climbing the Ivy, the official Cubby's Crib podcast. I'm Jake Meisner, along with co host Alex Pat, for another week where no major free agents have signed outside of some Mets like moves. Alex, how's it going, man? I am doing
0: very well, even though this free agent thing is really getting frustrating.
1: But yeah, other than that, pretty good. Yeah, I'm uh I'm officially to the point where I don't care anymore. Eventually, players are going to sign. It's going to be awesome. Until then, spring training is nigh. It begins within the next 10 days for pretty much every major league team with pitchers and catchers reporting. And I suppose the best way to start this uh this week's episode off would be the news coming from multiple sources tonight that the major league baseball players association is in the process of preparing a spring training camp for unsigned free agents. That's coming from Tim Brown of Yahoo sports and the man himself, Ken Rosenthal confirms that, uh, Alex, I mean, just your general thoughts to get things going. Uh, we really haven't seen anything like this since 95, which, was way back long before you and I had coherent understandings of the game. Um, But what are your thoughts on, on this training camp for unsigned players?
0: Well, I really didn't think it would
1: come to this when we were talking
0: about free agents, you know, back around the new year, Uh, I really thought, okay, there's no way that they're going to go into February unsigned, but here we are. Um, when I saw it, I thought all this talk of they can make their own team. Well, basically it's kind of like they're making their own team with their own camp. I mean, they might as well just band together and form the new Montreal Expos, but in all seriousness, I just, I'm really surprised it, it got this far. I, I really am. Even when it was slow in early January and we're like, okay, this is slower than usual. There was no way you could have convinced me it would have gotten this bad. But here we are.
1: Yeah, and, and this all kind of seemed to really pick up momentum since the calendar hit February. I feel like agents and players were, you know, it's, when it was January, okay, it's going to thaw, it's going to thaw, it's going to thaw. Now it's February. Now pitchers and catchers report. We're going to see spring training baseball. We're going to see real games this month. Uh, within weeks, and I feel like the the attitude of both sides—I it, mean, it's getting toxic very quickly, um, you know—and I don't know where, as a fan, I, I really put the blame. I, I don't blame players for, you know, guys like Jake Arrieta. Okay, Jake, this is his, really his first foray into into free agency. He's built a very respectable. You know reputation at a very nice body of work uh, since coming over uh, to the Cubs from the Orioles and, and now he's not going to get what he feels he's worth. But on the other hand, I don't really I, I don't really fault you know ownership or organizations for saying no. We're done overpaying for guys in their thirties. It doesn't make sense. We're gonna focus on our, our young homegrown talent, and we're gonna control costs because this is insane. I, you know, Alex, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, you know, I don't think anyone is is guilt for this.
0: No, I I definitely agree. I think that this whole situation is created by a whole hodgepodge of different issues on either side. Because on one hand, yeah, I understand you want to get all the money you can when you're a, a free agent, especially a high profile one. You want to get the best deal possible, but yeah. You're also dealing with a lot of 30-plus-year-old either pitchers or position players, and if you're a company and you're going to hire someone, you're not just going to say, okay, we'll give you all the years and the money in the world if you're not 100% confident that they're going to perform to their ability. That's just not really how business works. So I'm not going to take one solid side here. I just think that both sides have what they want, they're not willing to budge. And you could point fingers at everybody. It's just, it's a whole collective issue here. You can't just solely blame it on one area. Everyone has their faults, everyone has what they can draw some sympathy from. So it, it's just an annoying situation.
1: Yeah. And I, I, as baseball fans, you know especially our generation, you know, in my mind, I mean, I'm, I'm 26, so I'm still definitely in that younger generation of fan. I feel like, you know, Alex, you and I are the demographic, maybe one step above that, that Rob Manfred is talking about how he's trying to build the next generation of fans, you know, focusing on pace of play and things like that. I don't care about pace of play. I care about regular baseball. I care about the two sides working together for mutual benefit, And personally, the only other thing I care about is allowing if you want to draw, you know, a new generation of of player, let them be more expressive. Like Players Weekend to me was amazing. Um, But stuff like, you know, as as many fans as they gain from things like Players Weekend to turn around and now, you know, there's already talks of once the CBA is up, there's going to be a strike. Like and it's hard to imagine things being peaceful with how both sides are right now. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, it's going to be a mess. There's already issues already. I never thought that we'd hear the word strike already at this point. But like I said earlier, here we are. I feel like when you look at Rob Manfred and you look at trying to make changes to draw a new generation of fans, I'm not sure his intentions are bad. I just don't think the ideas are very good. This little nitpicking of saving 30 seconds between a pitch or 30 seconds with a mound visit,
1: I just don't think it's going to make much of a difference. No, I mean, with what ticket prices are, the people who are paying to go to games rather than just watch at home, I don't, it's not going to matter. It's going to be people who really want to be at the game, or it's going to be people who go to drink. And guess what? If a game runs 30 minutes longer, you know, they're drunk anyway. It doesn't matter. But right. You know, some of the as a as a very, you know, enthusiastic baseball fan, when I get a long game and I go, I feel like I got my money's worth. Like, that's exciting to me. And, you know, two years ago, I took my mom to her first ever big league game. She'd never been to any stadium. We went to Wrigley and the Cubs won on a walk off in the 13th. And she is at best a semi casual fan. And she loved it because once it hit extra innings, she knew, like, anything could happen. The game could tilt on its head at any given at-bat, and she loved it. So I don't think pace of play is an issue, but I think you're shooting yourself in the foot with, you know, the players' association and the league at each other's throats. Like, and I'm sorry, I don't care about pace of play right now. I care about the commissioner doing his part to get these two sides together and figure this thing out. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's kind of important because would you rather worry about a pitch clock or pace of play or potentially not even playing at all? Put that in perspective.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, of course, one of the uh, one of the big free agents left, um, obviously we beat the whole you Darvish and Jake Arrieta thing into the ground. I'm sure we'll do it a little more here uh, later tonight. But J.D. Martinez uh, coming off, an outstanding year. Uh, went to the Diamondbacks at the deadline and absolutely raked for them down the stretch. Um, but now it looks like the team that's always made the most sense for him in the Boston Red Sox, maybe there's some bad blood there. Uh, less than an hour ago, Bob Nightingale reported that Martinez has a five year offer from the Red Sox for at least $120 million but he's also discussing short-term and long-term proposals with Arizona. I'm sorry, but if you're asking me and you're J.D. Martinez, five years, $120 million, where do I sign? I mean, am I crazy for thinking that? No, I don't think so.
0: I don't think so. I think that's a pretty darn good deal right there. And think about it. You'd be going to the American League where there are days you can DH and not have to play the field. I mean, he knows all about playing in the American League. He played with the Tigers. I think that stands the benefits there. And you also understand the benefits of playing in a park like Fenway that's very hitter-friendly for a hitter that he is. So I don't think you're crazy. Yeah,
1: I mean, Rosenthal um, yesterday reported that Martinez is, quote, unsatisfied with the Red Sox and has told people that he would now rather sign with another team despite the five-year $125 million offer. I mean, that just, that's mind-blowing to me, especially – I'm sorry, but you have to – temper expectations to a degree, given how the market is. I'm not saying you take a five-year, $50 million deal, but you're still getting $25 million a year. And I understand he had a fantastic year last year. You know, you couldn't have asked for a better year heading into, you know, a contract year, but J.D. Martinez is not somebody that deserves more than that i mean he's just not he's only driven in more than 100 runs twice one of those times being last year other than that he's a twenty eighty guy i maybe he turned the corner last year and he's going to be a stud now but i don't know if you're if you want more than five and 125 then good luck
0: you know there's kind of an interesting thing to think about all this is that there's a lot of pressure now for these big contracts from a lot of players. And some people will say, you know, they understand it or they'll say, you know, I don't know which side is... it Like, it's hard to pick a side. Do I sympathize with owners? Do I sympathize with players? It gets a little complicated now just with the way that these players are getting, you know, such big deals. But another way to look at it is look at all the players that have been signed to big deals. And after like a few years, they've completely fallen off. And a lot of the heat goes towards the team for signing them. So there's just so much to put in perspective here. I think that that's, that's a key point that a lot of GMs and teams are thinking about. They're like, well, if we sign this guy for a long-term deal and he works out a, a year or so, and then, thinks the rest of the way, then we're going to get a lot of heat from the fans and the media. So I just think that the pressure and the picking of sides is so difficult because of all those different scenarios, including the one I just mentioned.
1: Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that heading into spring training, I, I honestly don't know what to expect. I don't even know how to prepare to cover it. Um, before we went on the air, uh, obviously I was telling you I'm going down to Phoenix for four or five days uh, at the start of March for work. Uh, I'm hoping to catch some Cactus League action while I'm down there. But I don't know how you plan to cover, a, a, you know, this alternate training camp for unsigned players. I don't understand. At that point, I mean, we're already into February. Our team's just going to say, fine, we're going to go forward with our plans and go without these guys. I mean, are we going to have impact talent just sitting there come opening day i mean it's i can't even wrap my mind around that as a possibility but you know as the days go past it's seeming like it's it's very possible
0: you know i think the way i look at everything and what we've seen kind of in the past i don't know week or so you're gonna see this quote camp or whatever you want to call it the free agent camp whatever uh the guys that are going to stay there for a while are going to be the big Darvish, Arietta, JD Martinez type players, but you're slowly seeing the plucking away of some of the lesser names that aren't necessarily bad names. But for example, you're seeing the Todd Frazier's being signed, you're seeing the Jay Bruce's being signed, and you're going to see, I think, a little bit more plucking at that. You'll see like a Jaime Garcia go somewhere you may see whatever, like, lower agents are there, like a Helixson or something get plucked away. And it's just going to kind of boil down to this top pool of free agents, Darvish, Arrieta, Martinez, Moustakis, Hosmer. They're going to be kind of remaining that little pool as the others get signed eventually. At least that's that's how I see it.
1: Yeah, I, I Yeah, I 100% The, the top level guys, you're not really sure, you know, that could take some time, but you're going to see the Todd Frazier's of the world, you know, bite the bullet and, and make their move here. Um, kind of shifting gears, the story that caught my eye uh, when I got off the plane from Louisville tonight, um, the Wasserman agency has terminated their relationship with the OCL Puig. Um, and it, you know, Chris Cotillo from SB Nation tweeted out that the issue is related to Puig's behavior. And Andy McCullough of the L.A. Times tweeted you know, basically a reinforcement of what uh, Cotillo said. And, uh, you know, he's a great talent. There's no denying the potential the guy has. But, man, you, you as a Cubs fan, you've really got to appreciate what the Cubs have with all their young guys. I mean... Don't get me wrong. The issues with Addison Russell last year were not okay. Um, even as accusations, you never want to see that, especially around a young player. But it seems like Puig is just a lightning rod, and it might work in Southern California. But God, I I gotta say, I'm I'm pretty happy that we've got the Albert Elmores of the world, the Kyle Schwarbers of the world. I mean, I just this is just a distraction at this point, and I'm I'm just done with Puig and and all the drama he's bringing.
0: Yeah, you know it's really interesting that you bring that up. Uh, I saw that report too, and when Andy McCullough reports it, I mean he's second voice to God when it comes to the Los Angeles Dodgers, so you know it's accurate. Um, but yesterday, when Todd Frazier was signed, I'm going to reference Todd Frazier again. A lot of what New York media was saying, so I, I did a lot of research on it, was it's good for the Mets to have Todd Frazier because he's such a good clubhouse guy and the name they bring up to like help him with that uh for him to help i should say is Ioannis cespedes who i've also heard is a very kind of big clubhouse cancer so you're seeing big guys in the league with other teams have these issues and like you said we're pretty lucky that most of our core doesn't have that kind of issue where we don't need to go out and get a clubhouse guy to deal with somebody. Yeah, we've had, like, the issues of Addison Russell. We've had the issues with Aroldis Chapman. We've had the issues with – I don't want to call John Lackey an issue, but he's not exactly a great clubhouse guy from what I heard. But your Rizzo, your Bryant, your um, – when we had David Ross and Fowler, yeah, we're very lucky that none of those key guys were – in that same situation. So I'm kind of glad you brought that up. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. And I think it just speaks to what, not just, you know, what Theo and Jed wanted to build here, but I, I really, really do believe it's, it starts and ends with Tom Ricketts and and the organization he wanted to build. He wanted to build a world-class baseball organization that did things the right way. That was fiscally sound that had the best baseball operations team in in the game That was in playoff contention every single year, you know, that, that developed their own young talent that became stars right in front of fans eyes. And the the Cubs have definitely done that. I mean, the, the lovable loser thing that's done, it's over. Despite what Cardinals fans might say it it is, it it, there's a new tradition building right in front of our eyes on the North side
0: and it's winning.
1: And I, I, I know people look toward 2021 and 2022 and say, oh, that's when it's all going to change. But I have complete faith in the organization to keep things on an even keel and keep developing and and win. And I've got to say, it's the first time in my life. And I know I haven't been a Cubs fan as long as, as, you know, guys born in the 50s. You know, I'm only, like I said, I'm not even 30, but. I can't remember another time where I had this much faith in the Cubs to have the right guys in the clubhouse and build a a quality organization.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about it now. Our expectations are so different where getting to the playoffs alone just isn't good enough. Before 2016, 2016, getting to the playoffs was a massive celebration. In 2015, when they got the second wildcard spot and they had to play a coin flip game, I mean, that was a huge deal. It's like we're in the postseason. Now, us getting into the postseason, that's not good enough. They got to go on a run. The expectation now is to win pennants and have real chances at winning a World Series. It's amazing how quickly that has changed. Just a few years ago, we were sitting here saying, "Well, we got to put these faith in these young kids." We haven't been in the playoffs in years. And just flip of a coin, all of a sudden, boom. Exactly,
1: and it, it's just it's such a great time to be a Cubs fan, and stuff like this Puig news just just reinforces that. But enough of Yasiel Puig. Um, projections hit the uh, hit the wires this week. Kind of a wide range for the Cubs. I've seen anything from like 86, 87 wins all the way up to 96 wins. Um, But I guess the good news, regardless of, of which ones you like to go off personally, is I have yet to see one where the Cubs aren't projected to win the Central.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen any either. And I've looked at a number of them, and I realize they're not something to live and die for, but I think it's good to look at them at least.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the the one thing that really stood out is several of these still have the Brewers flirting with the 500 mark, even after adding Kane and Yelich, And I think that's a good gut check for fans who panicked right after Milwaukee made those moves. I think those projections would drastically change if they went out and added someone like Jake Garrieta. I think it changes everything. But unless, oh, sure. they, manage, unless they manage to do that... Again, I agree with most of the projections. They're like an 82 to 85 win team at best. They're not going to win 95 games. They're they're going to be good, but I think that the talent they brought in will help for the players who don't put up the same numbers and who overachieved from a year ago, but they're not a division contender. You know, they're not they're not a runaway favorite, I should say.
0: Yeah, you know, I kind of wanted to because I look at the Brewers roster from last year, and a lot of their success was thanks to 30-some-year-old veterans having career years. And Manny Pena had a career year. Eric Thames had a career April. And then the rest of the year, he batted like two twenty six total. Um, let's see. You had guys like uh, Travis Shaw. He really had a breakout year, even though he's still somewhat younger and he could still be good for the future. I mean, that was a breakout year for him. Jesus Aguilar hit 16 home runs. Uh, Hernan Perez, a lot of those guys, Eric Stogard had a 3.93 on base. Those guys really never had a season nearly that good before. And even the starting pitching as well. Jimmy Nelson had a really good year, even though he is probably an overall solid pitcher. But Chase Anderson, guy to 2.74 ERA, and 358 FIP. that guy has never been nearly that good before so there were there was a lot of career years last year and some of them may carry over some of them i don't think will you'll have some yes some no so that's why i'm not going to automatically say the brewers are suddenly the team to beat in the central unless they make some more moves here
1: Right, and I think we talked about this last time, but, like, you mean to tell me, Giovanni Gallardo and uh, Shasin, like, those two guys are supposed to be rotation answers? Are you kidding me? No way. There's no way, if you think you're a playoff team, that that is your answer. That would be like, you know, the Cubs basically just saying, you know, we're going to give Eddie Butler the fifth spot in the rotation. Nothing against Eddie Butler, but with the guys that are available on the market, That's not an answer. That's not an answer for a team that says they want to win. I mean, it's just, it's not, I, as a Brewers fan, I'm happy because so far this off season, the the front office has definitely put their money where their mouth is. They're they're ready to go for it. And that's great. I think it's good for baseball. I think it's good for the Cubs and the NL central at large, but until they add starting pitching, it doesn't matter.
0: Right. That's, pretty much how I feel because, you know, you need starting pitching to go into the playoffs or even make it there. You'll give them credit that they have some good arms in there. Zach Davies last year, 390 ERA, 422 fifth. But you see kind of some Kyle Hendricks like qualities in there. He's only 24. That'll be, I think, a solid asset for them. And unfortunately for Jimmy Nelson, he's injured. So he's not even going to be there at the beginning of the season I, I personally, I didn't even know Yavani Gallardo was still even playing. I'll be completely honest.
1: Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, I'm just, I'm not sold on them. I'm still not sold on the Cardinals. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Milwaukee and St. Louis are both capable of winning the Central, but if the Cubs just do what they're expected to do and execute on a daily basis, they're clearly still the best team in the division. Uh, And I guess why you didn't know Giovanni Gallardo was still playing is he broke onto the big league scene in 2007. So this will be his 12th season in baseball. Um, And he kind of just hit out in the American league. Uh, But in each of the last two years, one in Baltimore, one in Seattle, an ERA north of five and a a (laughs) pitching mark north of five as well. So it's not like he benefited from bad – or he was hurt by bad defense. He was just a bad pitcher.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had the all-star year in 2010. He was solid for a few years, but, I mean, now he's 31. He hasn't really been that good. I mean, he had a solid 2015, but nothing really amazing. So, yeah, it's been a while since he's been really effective. So I can't say I'm really worried about that. And, you know, you were talking about the Cardinals. It's like you said, both of them, they're not bad teams in any way. But if the Cubs beat those teams more than they lose, they're going to win the Central, just like last year.
1: Yeah, and I think what we kind of forget, like, obviously the last – the thing that you carry with you the whole offseason in 2016, it didn't matter. It was a perfect season. They dominated all year. They – you know, pulled off one of the greatest World Series comebacks ever. And, you know, that's what we carried with us. Last year we carry with us how bad the bullpen was against Los Angeles. But we forget that the Cubs didn't really ever seem to find their groove as a club. I mean, they, they still scored the second most runs uh, in the National League, but they, they never really had that, that swagger, that momentum that we saw the year before. And they still won the Central. You know, I think that, that as fans, that's, that's getting overlooked a lot.
0: And think about it now. We'll be playing in a season where we're not hung over from all the World Series hoopla. Think about it. The Cubs didn't really have an offseason before last year. They were from celebration here to White House celebration there to SNL appearance there, public appearance there. They were doing that from November 4th to February, and then they had to report right back to spring training. They didn't really get any rest.
1: a little different this year. Absolutely, and I think we're going to see a a re-energized, refocused team. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of good things this year. But with projections out, uh, I thought it would be fun to spend at least some of the last 15 minutes or so kind of going division by division, uh, and pegging where we think teams uh, are going to end up. And we'll we'll do the National League first. We'll start with at least what I consider an easy one. In the National League West, um, every projection I've seen has the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, winning the West again. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's pretty hard for me to think anyone else can really challenge them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a good division. You'll have other teams playing for playoff spots like the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, but the Dodgers are the clear-cut winners.
1: Yeah, Pakoda has them projected for 99 wins. That would tie Houston for the most in baseball. Um, Arizona projected for 86. Obviously, we mentioned earlier that JD Martinez has had some discussions about a potential return. Obviously he would be a boost to them. Uh, they've got the Giants in third at eighty four and seventy eight after their busy offseason. Um, and surprising and probably frustrating for Rockies fans, they're projecting a seventy eight and eighty four season in Colorado despite wow. their, despite pouring fifty million dollars in this year alone. Into the bullpen that really stood out to me.
0: Yeah, I guess it's gonna really depend on their pitching, their starting pitching. And you look at their bullpen, it looks really good on paper. They got Wade Davis, but keep in mind, Wade Davis is getting older, and we did see the quality of his pitching kind of sink a little bit in the second half, even though he always got the job done, he always locked it down. He wasn't quite as dominant as he was in the first half and in his Kansas City years. And he's going to be playing a court field. So, you know, I could see why there is some doubt there, but I didn't think they'd be projected that low.
1: No, I thought for sure, even on the low end of 500 season, you know, at, at a right. bare minimum. But, yeah, they've got, uh, you know, 78 and 84. Padres rounding out that division, according to Pocota, at 73 and 89. Um, Obviously, we already went through the Central, both of us uh, picking the Chicago Cubs to win their third straight National League Central crown. Um, Heading over to the NL East, again, you know, it seems like every division in the National League is pretty much wrapped up. Uh, The Washington Nationals have to be the favorite, Uh, a rotation headlined by Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Gio Gonzalez. Obviously, this is your last year of Daniel Murphy and Bryce Harper. They've got to get over the hump. I think Davey Martinez is going to make a huge difference there. Um, I don't like that as a Cubs fan, but the other part of me as a Cubs fan is really happy for Davey. Uh, He can do as well as he wants until he runs into the Cubs.
0: Yeah, agreed. I'm really, really happy for him. And it was cool having him for as long as we did. But part of me is kind of happy he moved on because he just deserved it.
1: Yeah, he's a guy who's definitely put in the time. He's put in the work. He he had that coming for a long time. Um, looking at the rest of the East, the Mets are the only other team in that division projected to finish above 500, and they barely squeak by at 82 and 80. The Phillies with 78 wins. The Braves with 76 wins. And the expectedly god-awful Miami Marlins at 66 and 96, and personally, I find that to be pretty generous. I would be shocked if that team doesn't lose 100 games.
0: Yeah, I think they lose at least 105. I'm going to go really low on them. I I can't see any way they don't lose 100 games. Um, You also mentioned the Mets. I think a fully healthy Mets squad can make a run at an NL wild card. I'm not sure that they get it over, say, the Rockies or the Diamondbacks, but I think they'd make a run at it. But again, they got to stay healthy. Key word, healthy.
1: Yep. It it all comes down to that rotation. It has the potential to be the best rotation in baseball. And then on the flip side, you saw what it can be last year when injuries just piled up and the, the team just never got it going. So, Again, I think the most exciting race in the National League is going to be for wild card spots. I think the Mets, like you said, could play for one. St. Louis, Milwaukee, Arizona, Colorado, maybe San Francisco surprises. Um, You know, I think that the the moves they made this year would have been better four years ago. But I don't run the San Francisco Giants. So we'll uh, shift over to the American League. I'm actually really excited to watch Yankees Red Sox again for the first time in a really long time. Um, you know, Yankees now have Stanton and Judge, and man, that is going to be fun to watch.
0: And think about that short porch, too, with those two. I mean, you're going to see Stanton just kind of flip the ball into right field on a line, and it's going to go out.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to see some bombs this year and, and it's not like you know everyone keeps saying that I talk to they're like who else do they have they, they're a very talented team I mean don't look past this team they could very easily win 100 games this year and I wouldn't be surprised at all so outside of those two you've still got Gary Sanchez behind the plate that kid's a stud Greg Bird over at first uh, you know I think Glyber Torres is going to take the second base job at some point or a third base job, you know, they're kind of shifting people around. Didi Gregorius has been great as, as far as, you know, replace Derek Cheater. Like, that is about as tall a task in New York as possible, and he's handled it perfectly. You know, I don't think. Yeah,
0: you saw what he did in the postseason last year. He did very well.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a quality middle infielder now. I think that this is exactly what he needed, and he stepped up. Um, in the outfield, you've got Hicks, Gardner, and obviously Judge. Um, along with Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, Clint Frazier is still, um, out there, you know, former Indians prospect. And then you've got a loaded bullpen where you've got, you know, Kainley, you've got Chase and Shreve, you've got Chapman, Batances, David Robertson. I mean, that is a very, very dominant bullpen. I don't, I love Boston. I would consider myself a Boston fan in the American League. But, man, the Yankees look pretty good.
0: Yeah, I honestly think that they're probably a top three team to beat in the American League right
1: now. Yeah, and I I think you look over at Boston. I mean, if you go and get somebody like J.D. Martinez, I think it helps. Uh, At that point, though, Hanley Ramirez isn't going to play. Uh, You brought back Mitch Moreland to play first, Pedroia obviously at second, Uh, Devers at at third, and Bogart's at short, and in the outfield, you're stacked. You've got Benintendi, Bradley, Betts. So, you know, Martinez isn't going to play the outfield. But, again, it seems like they're depending on a lot of young guys while the Yankees are going with what they know works.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I really, really, really like that team. And I think most people do, whether they like them, quote-unquote, or not. But I think people, for the most part, like their chances.
1: Yeah, and and I forget who it was that that said it uh, last week, but it's good when people hate the Yankees. It's good for baseball. Everyone loves to hate the Yankees, and the Yankees love to be hated. I mean, I think that's great for baseball.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it makes things more interesting. I mean, you can't tell me that those old Yankee playoff runs, those playoff games were some of the most intense and just fun baseball to watch.
1: Absolutely. You know, it was a team you loved to hate. They were fine with it, and they just went out. Nothing flashy. They just did the job. And, you know, hats off to those late 90s, early 2000 Yankee clubs. They were just something to watch altogether. But, uh, yeah, so they've got, uh, Pocota's got New York, Boston, Tampa, Toronto, and Baltimore. Um, Baltimore, obviously, last year of Manny Machado and Adam Jones. So they could be facing a a real problem uh, at the end of this year. Wouldn't be shocked to see one, maybe both of those guys move by the deadline. I personally would have tried to deal Machado pretty hard before now, but as I've made clear, I'm not a general manager. I'm sure Dan Ducat has plenty of reasons for doing what he's doing, but it seems like it's been a really long time since Baltimore was relevant.
0: Yeah, it really has. And they were kind of an upcoming team at the turn of the decade. And it was really fun to watch them get good again. And then it, it just fell apart.
1: Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens with it, but, that's how they've got the ALE shaking out the AL central in my mind, isn't really worth talking about. It's still clearly Cleveland's division. Minnesota is a very happy story that might contend for a wild card spot. Maybe. Uh, But this is the Indians division. They need to, you know, last year they were the team after dropping game seven in 2016, they were going to finish the job. They had a 22 game win streak for Christ's sake. And, start the playoffs and just fall flat on their face.
0: Yeah. After having a two old lead in the series.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. Um, you got to get it done. I mean, that's all it comes down to, uh, you know, I can say the same thing about the Cubs last year. You've got to get it done. They didn't. The Dodgers outplayed them in every way in the NLCS last year, the better team won that series. And Cleveland, though, I felt like they just took their foot off the gas and, and, you know, they they paid for that. Yeah,
0: I think uh, that's what a lot of people would agree with you on that.
1: But so Cleveland, you're going to win the Central unless something terrible happens. I'll say that right now. AL West, pretty much the same thing. The reigning World Series champion Houston Astros, who unveiled their gold championship-themed jerseys, Look pretty sick. Same thing the Cubs did last year. Royals did before. Uh, really nice, mm-hmm. really nice threads for opening weekend. They're projected for ninety nine wins. I think they're going to win at least one hundred and five games.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, they're going to be fighting the Yankees for like that top American League team record-wise. I know they're not in the same division, but I think those two teams, the Astros and the Yankees, are going to be fighting for the best record. And because that could be important because they can meet each other again in the ALCS or in the playoffs at some point, And whoever has the better record is going to have home field advantage in a playoff series. So I think that'll be a legit battle.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be really, really cool to see those two teams kind of like new and old the Yankees have always been good. The Astros, you know, new and upcoming. Um, so that'll be, that'll be interesting. So we've just got a few minutes left and MLB trade rumors uh, just came through with a report from Darren Wolfson uh, up in Minnesota that the twins have officially submitted a formal offer to free agent right-hander Hugh Darvish. Uh, parameters aren't known yet. We know that Darvish has multiple $100-plus million million offers. Um, so this is kind of like a foregone conclusion in my mind. The twins – we're going to do this at some point. I don't know if this was the last thing Darvish was waiting for, um, but we'll see Darvish and the twins again. um, Alex, I feel like, you know, Darvish's reputation might have might be taking some, some hits in terms of this saga that's continued with free agency.
0: Yeah, I think a, a little bit. I know a lot of it rests also on the agents, but in the eyes of some, I think so. And I think there's just a lot of frustration boiling over right now. So I feel like once he's signed somewhere and once he's all settled in, people will kind of move on from it. But for right now, I can definitely see some tension towards him being expressed by a lot of people.
1: Yeah. And obviously Darvish, the top free agent, uh pitcher available, Jake Arrieta, I feel like we haven't heard anything about Jake all winter. You know, we heard that one report attaching him loosely to Milwaukee like two months ago. And I don't know about you, but I haven't heard anything solid on Arietta.
0: Yeah, I really haven't. I really haven't at all. And I thought that he was going to be one of the more talked about people. It's really been mainly on you, Darvish. Most of the focus has been on you, Darvish. But Jake Arrieta, yeah. think about it, he was just a Cy Young winner, he just won a World Series, and you're not hearing much.
1: Yeah, I think what we're gonna see is as soon as Darvish signs, the teams that were interested in him are going to shift their attention to Cobb and Arrieta. But if I had to guess on on like a dark horse team to sign Jake, my guess right now would be the Philadelphia Phillies. I think they're close. They're closer than people realize. They've got the money, it's a big market. He's clearly got the leadership to help a, get a young team over the hump. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked at that if if, it, if it's not one of the oh-duh teams like, you know, Washington or Milwaukee or St. Louis.
0: You know, I was thinking about the Phillies, and I kind of agree with you. I think the Phillies want to go out and be competitive as soon as possible, and that's the move I could see them making. They got Santana, and I'm not sure that they're – I mean, they're, they're better than before, but I'm not sure if Arietta is going to suddenly make them contenders, but I think that they're going to at least try. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes there either. Um, we'll see how aggressive Milwaukee is. Part of me thinks that, Mil- you, you hear all these conflicting reports from Milwaukee, them saying, oh, no, we're not done shopping, and then other people saying, well, they spent all this money, they may be done with big moves. Part of me thinks that they'll inquire about some of these other guys just to play with the market a little bit. So, you know, we'll see with them. I am honestly surprised the Cardinals haven't gone harder on some of these guys. Um, so maybe that changes, but yeah, I, I definitely think that the Phillies could be a landing spot for him.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, time will tell, but then again, we've been saying that for three months. So at this point, I don't know how much time will tell, but eventually we might get an answer. But um Alex any any last thoughts uh got about a minute left here any last thoughts on uh you know free agency or uh you know the the issues between the league and the uh, union right now
0: No I think I pretty much uh said my piece on it all Like I said it's very frustrating and I know you know I'm with this show and several other shows and we leave with the same sayings. Maybe next time there will actually be something to talk about. A little tired of saying that, but I'm going to say it again. Hopefully next time there will be some free agent signings to talk about.
1: Awesome, Alex. Thanks, as always. Co-host Alex Pat there. And I do want to thank Adam McGinnis for making our outro and intro music, which you will hear. be i